With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome into the New Orleans Pelicans podcast, a podcast dedicated to everything you need to know about the squad. Hear from players, coaches, broadcasters, and those who cover the NBA on a daily basis. The New Orleans Pelicans podcast starts right now. I welcome back to another edition of the New Orleans Pelicans podcast, the official podcast of your New Orleans Pelicans, joined as always by Jim Eichenhofer, who's carrying around a ball of holly all around his hat there. Yes, indeed. I'm, I'm very in the holiday time of year. I'm in the holiday spirit. I'm very joyful this time of year, but not as much after last night. That game, is true. If HR is listening, I'm completely making that up. You're just sitting across from me in a yes. desk, and you're completely in a quarter <laughs> zip. You're completely fine. No balls of holly everywhere for sure. Although, you know, I'll give you a smooch on the cheek. Um, look, HR. Yeah. <laughs> so last night, man, um, what? Four, four in a row, up 24. Look, that that's a tough loss. There's no other way to look at it. It is. But what was interesting is obviously looking at the comments and the fans, and it's like, what? why can't we play well on TNT? If I hadn't watched the game or watched the games on a normal basis, say my sister lives in Burlington, Vermont, doesn't mm-hmm. have league pass, and, oh, the Pelicans are on. Whoa. The last time they were on TNT, not so good as well. What What is it? Is, is it? Something with them playing on TNT? Are there similarities? Are there differences? What do you see with those two games? I mean, I think it's a little bit of a coincidence, the part about these last two games that they've played on TNT. But I did think that, you know, what we should have done today, Gus, is come in and record two separate podcasts. The first one is with someone who's only watched the two games on TNT. The second one is with someone who's either watched all of the games or just the games that haven't been on TNT. Because I feel like we'd be getting two completely different takes and reactions. Um, I know which of the two would get higher ratings and would get more clicks, but I also know the one that would be more grounded in reality and kind of a reasonable perspective as far as just looking at the scope of the entire season. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's been uh, it's been disappointing, unfortunately, that the maybe I wouldn't say definitely wouldn't say the wor- two worst performances of the season, but maybe the worst performance of the season was on TNT and then. Um, the most kind of devastating loss as far as having the lead that they did against a team that is pretty disliked, the Grizzlies around here, um, ends up as in a loss. So, yeah, it's just been uh, been two games on TNT. 
Fortunately, they're not going to be on TNT for, I think, for several months, so we're good on that front for a while. There you go. But it is going to be a revenge tour. We'll hit on that here coming up next segment as we will be joined by John DeShazer, color analyst on the New Orleans Pelicans radio network, so we'll have some fun with that here. Just one quick final thing on that. There were two different games. There were two different games, right? The Laker game and the Grizzlies game were two different games. The one similarity for me is obviously Ja and what LeBron did, but there were two different games. Yeah, I mean, there were to me there were a lot of positives that happened in the game against the Grizzlies, and if you know we could play the coulda, shoulda, woulda game all day, but if the Pelicans win that game by two points, the conversation that we're having today is so much different, and we're going through that Brandon Ingram had 34 points, and C.J. McCollum had five threes in the first half, and that they had a 28-2 to two run that they looked very dominant in that second quarter. Um, all that stuff is kind of out the window, though, when you lose a game the way that they did, and, and just bottom line, ends up being a game that you don't close out. So the game against the Lakers, I think, was not a game where you could say, well, you know, if this happened and they bounced, the ball bounced here and, oh, the refs screwed us on this call, um, there was just no way that you could slice that game into anything positive. So, yeah, definitely two games that you can't really compare from a performance standpoint, but – Obviously, the bottom line is that you go 0-2 in those two games. Yeah, no doubt. Well, let's break down the game a little more with somebody that actually is knowledgeable with what he saw last night. All right, welcome in John DeShazer, color analyst for the Pelicans on the Pelicans Radio Network. And, J.D., I think one of the things that we look at this game is it's why, how, right? Those are the questions. How did this happen? Why did this happen? We can break down specific similarities. But when you and I talked after the game – what was the the number one thing that popped in your head as to why the Pelicans failed to close that game out? At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S., that's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. 
Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash iHeart. That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Well, the autopsy is always the difficult part, right? Um, <laughs> uh, really, I, I just, I, I didn't think they defended at a really good level in the second half. And, and I guess when you give up 74 points in the second half, the proof is in that pudding. I, I just didn't, I didn't necessarily think, think that they guarded John Morant the way we would like to have seen them guard him. Now, John Morant is a, a superstar. He is a superstar. But it was his first game back, and I, I just thought, you know, he got into a rhythm, and I was just hoping that the Pelicans would would kind of dedicate a little bit more bodies to him and say, you know, okay, you got it going. You're cooking right now. Let's see if Desmond Bain can make a shot. Let's see if Jaron Jackson Jr. can make a shot. Let's see if Bismack Biombo can help you out. Let, let's just see – if the supporting cast, who had been standing around kind of watching him for a little while, mm-hmm. let's see if they can get into a rhythm. Because I think the Pelicans got out of rhythm a bit offensively by watching Brandon Ingram, who was fantastic, by the way, watching him down the stretch. And I don't know if that contributed to C.J. McCollum missing a couple of threes, but I thought the offense got a little stagnant. Uh, B.I. had the ball. They were watching him work. He was scoring. You were getting what you needed out of him. Mm -hmm. And then when it was time for somebody else to step into that role to make a shot, uh, we saw Zion Williamson miss a layup, even though J.V. comes in and and taps it in. Uh, We saw C.J. miss miss a couple of threes. And so I I just thought the Pels might have gotten a little bit out of rhythm that way. And I just wanted to see maybe if Memphis was out of rhythm similarly because John Morant had the ball in his hands and he was going downhill and there was no way to stop him one-on-one. And I understand the Pelicans' thought process. Herb Jones is one of the elite defenders in the world because he he's long, he's athletic, he bothers people. But on this particular evening, in these particular situations, it was where, yeah, you trust Herb, you love Herb, you know what kind of defender he is. But sometimes a guy just has a guy's number for a while, mm-hmm. and it seemed like John Morant just kind of had him for a while. So, you know, I don't necessarily know if switching up bodies on John Morant was going to do it. I thought maybe throwing an extra body or two to him to get it out of his hands might have helped. But other than that, I mean, it was one of those things where, you know, you get a guy on a roll like that, and it's hard to get him off of it. So you got you got to do something different, I think. One of the elements of Jaws' game specifically that surprised me was he had – seven points in the first half and then 27 in the second half. It's kind of the opposite of what I would think from a guy who hasn't played in a long time. Yeah. That he <laughs> yeah. goes off. You And there there was a specific point in the game where um, Zion was dribbling up the court in transition and Ja just kind of gave a foul. because And he, and he, he pointed got, immediately to the bench saying, he like, had to I'm get winded. Off the court. Yeah. Yeah. He had to get off the court. He was right. exhausted. I thought he twisted his ankle or no, something he, the way he took off. No, like, he yeah. was like, I'm, I'm – I'm exhausted. My chest is burning. Get me out of here. Let me take a couple of deep breaths on the bench. And I thought, you know, okay, I'm like Jim. I thought, well, you know what? He's going to be a little bit weak down the stretch. You know, mm-hmm. he, he's he's kind of folding up here in the first half. He doesn't have it. So, you know, down the stretch, his, his legs might give out on it. And that was part of why um, what he did. I mean, you have to say, tip your cap to the guy. Amazing performance in the fourth quarter, especially in down the stretch. But um, to your point, as far as, you know, having extra guys run at him, it seemed like maybe they would have been more effective trying to wear him out and wear him down at the end of the game. Um, but it was it was just beyond impressive. That, and I guess a little bit surprising um, that he was able to do what he did, you know, given the way he looked at points earlier in the game and the fact that he hadn't played in an NBA game in eight months. Yeah, I thought, I thought 
I thought the coach did a really good job using his timeouts kind of judiciously. Mm. Uh, one, to stop the runs, hopefully, and two, to kind of give Ja a little bit more time to, you know, catch his breath, a little bit more rest time on the bench, you know, to kind of recollect himself. I mean, but, mm-hmm. yeah, it was it was an elite performance. I wish it had been an elite performance and a loss for them because, mm-hmm. you know, he really pulled them out of it. They, they, they didn't look like they had a lot of hope and belief by halftime. I mean, right. it looked like, you know, I think the Pills had like a 23-2 to two run on them. Yeah. And when you get that kind of run, that's kind of dispiriting. And But they hung around, man. This is the NBA, and dudes hang around. And, you know, before you know it, you know, a 24-point lead can be, you know, 18 and then 13 and then 8. And the next thing you know, you know, the opponent feels like they can win. You guys like my tinfoil Santa hat that I fashioned <laughs> out of this year? I'm not going conspiracy theory here. I'm just, you know, it's just the season. Um C.J. McCollum said it. How about that? I'll just use that. He said it were some very unique whistles. Let's just say that. Some very unique whistles. But I, I, will, I will say this, J.D., to the point whether or not you agree or not, you said in the broadcast there were fouls. Some of those are now. Now, Herb Jones tripping on himself isn't a foul. Yeah. But for most of yeah. even even the Zion two fouls, by the 10-minute mark of the first quarter, you said it was a foul. Now, is it touch? Is it ticky-tack? Yeah. You can, but they were fouls. Now, I, I jokingly said it in, in the studio, said there's there's no way the league's going to make this a blowout. I mean, this is a back-to-back right. night. They're going to make sure they do that. And the reason why I say that, J.D., is not conspiratorial. It's when the game is slowed and muddy like that, it helps the team that played last night. It helps a guy that hasn't played basketball because, guys, there wasn't a lot of running. There wasn't, you know, when you look at the clock and you go, man, it's four minutes that went off before the timeout. I mean, the game before that, John, in San Antonio, the first media timeout, my my um, my um scoreboard update in the fourth quarter was at the five-minute mark, yeah. you know? So you didn't have that. It was whistle, whistle, whistle. There were 11 personal fouls in the first quarter. That helps you keep your wind. That helps the guy, you guys that are tired. Again, I'm not saying yeah. they did it on purpose because, to your point, there were fouls. There were just... They were called a certain yeah, way. And, and, I mean, you know, NBA officiating is such a difficult job. So, you yeah. know, basically as, as a coach and as players, you just want consistency. And I thought there was a decent amount of consistency. Right. I, I thought the first two fouls on Z were, were, were fouls. The third one where he where we came up with the blocking foul, didn't like that one. Um, you know, um, Desmond Bain tripping over his own feet, obviously don't like that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I thought for the most part, most of them were, were clear fouls. Um, the Bismack Biambo foul. <laughs> <laughs> where he ends up, you know, getting the foul for pushing somebody, where he basically just put his hand yeah. on, on his back. It was like, no, that's right. I mean, okay, like, I'll take it. It was 23 Pels fouls yeah. to 19 Grizzlies fouls. So it's yeah. not like it was a 31 yeah. to 10 even, disparity. But the point out. is, all of those calls slow the game down. Yeah, they slow the game down. But the flip side is, Pels were up 24. Even with some of the stuff that was going on that you didn't like, they were up 24. So, you know, it, it was, it was, yeah, it, it was slowed down. Uh, it was not pleasing to the eye for a good portion of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Pels really found the accelerator, and, I mean, they hit it, and they hit it hard in the second quarter. So you felt like, okay, the Pels have kind of found, you know, kind of found their footing here. Memphis has kind of, you know, drifted back to where they were going to be in this game because it was Ja's first game back. And had they lost by 15 to 20, I think Memphis would have been like, hey, Ja came out healthy. We're fine. We mm-hmm. got what we wanted out of it. Yeah. Uh, but they played hard. I'll give them this. They, when Morant was on the floor, he played hard, and they looked like a different team. And that's why he was so winded early in the game because he, you know, working out is different than playing an NBA game. And so he was winded and he was exhausted, and I was like, okay, the Pels got him exactly where they want him here. And then the second half came out, and it was just flat, and it was, you know, you 
you knew they were in trouble, but you felt like, okay, there's still a little bit of workable margin here because it's mm-hmm. six, eight points. And, you know, can they find a little something again just to get to the end of the game? Not not to blow them out, just to get to the end of the game. And, and they just couldn't find it. I thought it was a very disjointed game from the standpoint of the whistle kept blowing and it kept stopping the action. Somebody tweeted that the first half had the rhythm of, and they posted a gif of Elaine from Seinfeld doing her dance, and they said that that was the kind of rhythm that the game had. But, you know, to your point earlier, Gus, I think in addition to helping Ja have all these breathers because of all the stoppages, I mean, from an even more tangible standpoint, it gave the Grizzlies' offense a big boost. Mm-hmm. And beyond Ja, they're not a great offensive team. They've been one of the worst offensive teams in the league. So unless he has an explosive second half yeah. and plays great, a lot of games they're not going to be able to put up enough points. But be- because they were able to get to the free throw line, that helped them so much as far as they end up with 115 points, they end up with a huge number in the second half. And so, I mean, I think that was the biggest thing. There's going to be a lot of games I think teams go into against the Grizzlies where they put at the top of or near the top of the chalkboard, do not put them at the free throw line, do not, you know, help their offense the way that they did. Um, I thought J.D. did a good job of kind of breaking down, you know, some of the pros and cons of the calls. I don't want to sit here and complain specifically about a bunch of different calls. I I thought that they – JD used the word consistency. I thought they were consistent from the standpoint of that they officiated the game tightly. So there were that was the reason why there were so many calls because anytime somebody dribbled, if there was a little bit of a hand check or there was a little bit of a hip right. into a guy, there was there was a foul and there's free throws. And CJ mentioned too, um, really problematic last night. They got it. Grizzlies got into the bonus into the penalty so early in a yeah. couple quarters, and so now you're giving them free throws on a play where somebody's 25 feet from the basket makes a little dribble move, gets a little hip or a little hand hand, and all of a sudden now he's shooting free throws. Whereas that 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 was way that happened way too often last and night. Th- those are breathers for a team yeah. that played the night before. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just are. I mean, it yeah. stops the game to that standpoint. Um, you heard a lot, especially after post game, coach players say it as well rebounding it's surprising and sometimes we feel a certain way watching the game and after the game is three rebound difference that big a difference 42 to 39 because it felt differently right it felt like every second chance point or second hustle or things that nature went that way but they had 13 offensive rebounds pelicans 11 they had 29 defensive rebounds pelicans 28 overall was 42 39 but it felt like they got a lot more different rebounds, didn't they, than um than elsewhere? Yeah, a lot of it is when you get them. It it it, it can be even in the final statistical analysis, but when do you get them? And on top of that, you know, it's critical defensive possessions where they tap it out, you know, and they and they get a second chance. So you know, the second chance points played big in this one but again it's when you get them mm. because you know you might not have an offensive rebound for you know three or four or five minutes stretch but if you're on the comeback run and you're able to get one kick it out and you end up with a three now all of a sudden that's a huge offensive rebound so I, I it, at first it started out dominant rebounding I think they had a 16-8 advantage at one point it evened out but it was when they got them because the Pels really needed to finish off defensive possessions and they couldn't secure the basketball to finish out the possession. Offensive production in the NBA right now is at the highest level it's been in so long, in, I don't know, 20, 30 years. CJ talked about how it's getting more and more difficult to stop a team on the first try that they get. 
But if you give him the second and third opportunity, yeah. you're, you're really in trouble. One of the things I know I noticed about the offensive rebounding by the opponents this year, so de- New Orleans defensive rebounding, during the game last night when the Grizzlies got a couple crucial offensive rebounds, I thought, I feel like we talked about this a lot at the beginning of the season, and then we haven't really, it hasn't really come up very much. So I looked up um, the most offensive rebounds that the Pelicans have given up in a game this season, and it, it kind of verified what I thought. The five games where they've given up the most offensive rebounds were all um, before November 15th. So you're talking in the first you know, maybe 10, 12 games of the season. This was a problem. And then for a while, they've really done a good job of cleaning it up. But unfortunately, Mm -hmm. it came back to bite them in a crucial situation. And I agree 100% with what JD said. I mean, it's not – last night wasn't even in the top seven or eight as far as most offensive rebounds by a Pelicans opponent. But the timing of when they gave those up was so crucial, especially from a momentum standpoint – there's a bunch of times where if, I think if the Pelicans had gotten a stop, the Grizzlies emotionally um, would have been kind of not defeated, but been like, oh, man, this is going to be really tough to to come back because we can't score when we need these um, these possessions that are you know monumental in the game. But I mean, they were able to get a couple of those second chance baskets that were just continued to keep them in the game and got it to where. I think when it was down, when they once they got it down to like six, I think they had to look around and be like, you know, we can definitely win this game now. It's like a paper basket box score. You know, it's like yeah. you look at it this morning, you want to crumple it up and just toss it because it, it's 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 nuts. You had a better three point percentage, forty four to thirty three. You, as I said, had more assists, twenty three to nineteen. Steals was five four. Total turnovers they had eighteen. You had eleven, but you only converted JD twenty one points out of those eighteen turnovers. And it's one thing that's I think Graf has an ulcer based off of <laughs> layups. Why can't this team finish fast breaks? And and more importantly, can they dunk? Is there a sign we can hold? Can we get Aaron Summers, who's on the baseline, dunk the ball on a hey, fast man, break, please? It's, it's, you know, guys are trying to get it up fast. And I, I think sometimes, I, I know last night I would assume they were trying to get it up fast a couple of times because, because Jaron Jackson, yeah, you got a shot, shot blocker. But I also thought, you know, being outscored to what, 62 to 50 in the paint, the Pills didn't hit them where they were weakest, which mm. is, I think, around the rim. Because Steven Adams make a huge, makes a huge difference for them. He wasn't on the floor. Now, I know Jaron Jackson Jr. is out there. He's a sure. shot blocker. But he can only guard so many people at so many <laughs> at a time before, you know, you, you should be able to shake somebody free. And I thought they just – I thought the Pills were going to handle them in the paint. Now, it doesn't help when Zion Williamson is spending more time on the sidelines than we are. Yeah. You know, that doesn't <laughs> help. But – I felt like he and JV would be able to kind of crank it up down there, and, and even Brandon Ingram a little bit, and to see it go the other way, basically, specifically, primarily, maybe only because of John Morant, because he's attacking the rim and they yeah. get 62 points in the paint. And it's like that's discouraging because they have a weakness there, even with John Morant back, that you've got to be able to take advantage of because that is your strength. Your strength is beating folks up in the paint. And their weakness right now is stopping people in the paint because they don't have those big bodies. So I thought the Pels, you know, would would be a little bit better there, and, and that was a little bit disappointing. That's one of the reasons why we never, almost never, see the Pelicans shoot threes well and lose a game because they're so good in the paint that if you kind of, that's almost like a something that you you treat as a reliable thing that you're going to out score the other team in the paint or mm-hmm. you're going to do well in that category. So 
that was definitely a, a, a rarity that they shot threes as well as they did and to a level that was significantly better than the opposing team, and they still ended up with a loss. All right, so, J.D., you said it in the broadcast as well, and Jim and I talked about it in the opening segment. The beauty of the NBA is, well, they're on the flight yep. today, and yep. they have to play Cleveland tomorrow, and Cleveland just got done earlier this week with a back-and-forth game with Houston. It's a dangerous team, and they got some issues there. There's a lot of uh, you know rumor out there. Donovan Mitchell could be going to Miami and all this other stuff, so... Bottom line, it, what what took place on on Tuesday can serve to be kind of what happened with LA or other tough losses. You learn from it. Now, a sign of growth is how do you respond to it? You can't let one loss turn into two, right? Yeah, and and the Pels have been pretty good about that. I mean, the Pels are sixteen and twelve. Now, here's the here's the the I don't want to say problem, but here's the issue with that. I guess um, from a national perspective, they know about two games from the Pelicans, right? Yes. <laughs> you know, the Lakers game yep. in Vegas and, and last night's game. And so the national perspective is this team isn't ready. This team is this and this team is that. But they're 16 and 12. And they got some good wins in there. They've beaten a good Sacramento team. They've beaten a good Dallas team. There are some good wins in there. Now, so we know this team can play. Cleveland's kind of dragged this team around a little bit in Cleveland the last couple of years. It's been tough sledding there. It's yeah. like, you know, even when they didn't have Donovan Mitchell, it was like, you know, you went to Cleveland and you just didn't feel good about it because the Cavs have been able to handle them. So this would be a good a good bounce back game against the Cavaliers team that seems to be teetering a little bit. You know, you mentioned the, the rumors with Donovan Mitchell and that they don't seem to be quite as focused as you would think that team would be this season. And so this might be a decent time to catch them. It certainly should be a decent time to catch them for the Pelicans because, you know, the the last thing that we remember from the Pelicans is giving up a 24-point lead. You want to show you're not, you're not that team. You're the team that built the 24-point lead, and now you want to be the team that's able to extend it. We saw the road trip where they just smashed, you know, a couple of teams, you know, Charlotte and – not Charlotte, um, San Antonio and Washington. So we know they can perform on the road. Those were bad teams, of course, but you've got to be able to impose your will on bad teams too, and you got to be able to do the, hopefully the same thing against – Pretty decent teams, and I think Cleveland, if they can get it together, is a, is a decent team. You know, they got some parts. They got Donovan Mitchell, and they got Jared Allen, who everybody loves, including me. But you know, you've got some things there in Cleveland that hopefully the Pelicans can put it together and get a tough one on the road. You know, the Pels are a deep team. They, they there's a lot of talent on this team. There's a there's a lot of guys on this team that can play in NBA games and give you something positive. And you need that when you go on the road because. I know, you know, you get shorter rotations as you go along, but, man, there are a lot of guys who, who play well enough to be on the floor. So hopefully the Pels can, can dig into some of that depth maybe against Cleveland and certainly rebound the way we've seen them be able to rebound because we saw this team get run out of town by Dallas and then come back a couple nights and beat them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, J.D., I mean, you, you mentioned, you know, a bad – it's been a bad matchup in recent seasons for the Pelicans against the Cavs. They lost by double figures both games last year. But I think two two reasons why it's been a tough matchup is Darius Garland and Evan Mobley. And both of those guys are out now. So, I mean, on paper, this Cleveland team is definitely more vulnerable than they have been in the past. Um, I think the combination of Mobley and Allen in the paint has been really difficult for the Pelicans, especially in some of the games where Zion hasn't played. So you don't have... Garland and Mobley, and you do have Zion, so hopefully for New Orleans that will that equation will make a, a big difference in this game. Final thoughts, sir? Yeah, I think the I think Pels. I hope the Pels have a bounce back game. Um, 
You know, like I said, that one was just so dispiriting. You look at the final score and you see 115 to 113, you're like, oh, that was a pretty competitive game. But if you watch the game, you feel a little bit, uh, not a little bit, you feel a lot let down. And yet, it's game 28 yeah. of an 82 game season. So, you know, we're about one third of the way in, and it's like, you know, okay, uh, let's chalk it up to an NBA night. And let's, if you're the Pelicans, build off of that because, you know, you can build off losses, obviously. You know some things about yourself. Uh, You know that you get that kind of lead. You can't exhale whatsoever, Mm -hmm. and you've got to be able to maintain your poise and your composure and your execution because they were executing at a high level in that second quarter. Shot 68% from the field in that quarter and really gave it to them. So you know it's in you. Now you just got to have it out of you for the entirety of the four quarters. We've said that before, and, you know, hopefully that, that'll be something that'll kind of get them back to base to where they play the entire four. I'm just going to go LeBron here. You know, when he was questioned about how they're 1-3 since Vegas, he goes, you see the Pacers record? I'm just going to, you see the Suns loss last night? I'm just going to do that. When, when people, yeah. you know, go, hey, hey look, see the Pels loss? Would you see the Suns loss? Boston <laughs> coughed, I think Boston coughed up a 17-point lead last that, night. Did you see Boston yeah. lose? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Where's, so, that, where's that noise? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> To your point, though, that that's, that is something – that I, I guess we 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 do need to focus on, right? It is a long season. And look, the Western Conference isn't going to change. Yeah. This is going to be by the week. And Jim and I talk about this every week when he does his Western Conference Wednesdays. And you're you're going to go from second to seventh, from seventh to fifth, from fifth to tenth. It, it, it's all jumbled up for a reason because they're going to beat up on one another. So it, it, it's trying to avoid the dreaded, you know, four and six in the last ten, right? As long as I think, J.D., you stay six and four, you can get a stretch or two, you go seven and three and ten, you're, you're, you're there. It's got to stay above 510 game stretches. Exactly. You, you know, you're, you're basically four and one in the last five now since you lost that one. So, you know, three and twos and four and twos and, you know, six and threes, all these add up. And I I understand and, and appreciate. I shouldn't say it. You know, I, I need to add that. I appreciate the fan base. I do appreciate the fan base. I love passion. But but yeah. when you take one game and, and magnify it to such a degree in the NBA, that is that is maybe insanity or absurd is what I'm looking for. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> so on a just, talk show today, we shouldn't ask for <laughs> trades and we shouldn't oh, fire God. people. Look, man, I'm, I'm seeing Move people. The you team. Know, you're seeing people looking for <laughs> trades and, you know, you know, hey, let's, you know, let's get rid of these four guys for this oh. one guy. And it's like, dude, just take a deep breath. This team is winning right now and it's finding itself. And, you know, we've been praying for health for what? 59 straight years or something. <laughs> so you finally get yeah. some help. Okay. You finally get the guys out there. Okay, you want to give them a chance to see what they're doing. Okay, before last night they were 16 and 11. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. 16 and 12 ain't bad. So now if you can string together a few more wins, especially here before the new year, man, everything looks a lot better. And, you know, maybe you're 20 and 12 or you're 20 and 13 or whatever it is, but you feel a lot better about, about where the team is because the team does seem to be moving in, in a good direction. Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to unbookmarktrademachine.com and <laughs> follow Fletcher. No, I'm kidding. You I, was about to say, I was about to say, I, I was, I was going to give a shout-out to my man Fletcher, but I just I didn't want to give him that justice. To your point, though, I, I do love that because, look, I, I do a talk show, too, and we're going to get calls, and we always do, and even in the post game, I, I would much rather a fan base that wants to play oh, yeah. general manager, yeah. head coach, yeah. wants to write stories and break it down like I can offer or JD, give me analysis. I would much rather that. Then we sit there and we're talking about these team, this team and games, 
and it's cricket. So I'm all about that, right? Yeah. The, the more people that want to change things or have their say on how to make things better, yeah. the better. Yeah, it is. It, but I always caution people, and I always say this. Okay, if you don't want a guy and you, and you want him traded, what makes you think that the team you want to trade him to wants him? Yeah. <laughs> what makes him so valuable yeah. that that team would want him in exchange for one of the guys that's really good that you want? And you say, oh, let's, well, let's just give him these three guys. Well, you don't want those three guys. What makes you think they want those three guys? <laughs> that's how it works. Right? Yes. <laughs> no, I always love that. Get rid of them. Okay, what are you getting back for? I don't know. <laughs> that's yes. how it works. Other front, front offices across yeah. the NBA do watch other NBA teams <laughs> and other NBA I games. I do want to add one final yep. thing here before you get out of here. And poor JD probably. Are you going straight to the airport here? Because everyone's leaving today, right? No, you guys no, are not going there. quite yet. Quite yet. But it, but won't but be, it won't be long. Are y'all going to like high five in the tarmac? Because y'all Dude. probably leave around the same time, right? You know what? I didn't think. Yeah. I think we're going to leave a little bit behind the Pelicans. Just a little bit? I think a yeah. little bit um, To that point, though, look, you you travel with both teams, yeah. and, and you and you understand this well, and you're always around the locker room. As much as we're, oh, you could see it yesterday with those guys, right? And it does bother them. We've seen the Saints, yeah. you know, turn things around and, and play hard, not quit and give up. And we're seeing, obviously, this team after that Vegas game go on a four-game win streak. As much as we care, we're just talking about the fan base mm-hmm. and stuff. A loss like that can bother these players. And, oh, look, and I think for what you've seen with this team, I think we're going to see a good performance tomorrow. Yeah, I really if, do. If I'd be a lot more worried if it didn't bother the players than if it didn't bother the fans. If those guys have a game like last night and it does, and they don't feel some kind of way about it, like they want to get back on the court as soon as possible, like I would hope they wanted to get back on the court last night at 1030 and mm-hmm. play another game, mm-hmm. you know, that's what I want to see out of the locker room. I don't want to see guys, you know, kind of – looking at the phones and giggling or anything like that. And, and not to say that that is indicative of a guy's care. Sure. But I want to see guys, you know, hurt a little bit. It is, it's a regular season game. I get it. And you got a lot more of them. But I want, I want to see it bother you some because I want you to be thinking to yourself, we let one get away. We can't do that again. And, I, and you see that in the locker rooms. I think, you know, I, w- I want guys to feel like, you know what, man, it, you know, God dang it, you know, not necessarily those words, but, mm-hmm. you know, we gave one away. Yeah. And then how do we not give another one away like that? And you know what's beautiful about that, J.D.? The Grizzlies are actually here next Tuesday, so yeah. they're going to have another immediate chance to to answer to what happened in the game on Tuesday, this yeah. Tuesday. No doubt. Basically, what fans need to understand is what the, the radio booth is like after a game. Todd didn't even say bye. He just walked in and walked in. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it works. I can always tell how the game goes. Depending on whether or not I get a fist bump, that's where we win, or a simple just slow closing of the door. It's not even like the Kramer Seinfeld style where the door just slams. It's just a it's just a look, that's my dude, and I just don't know. I don't know how how Graf hadn't had like a heart attack or yes. something. It, it's amazing yeah. to me that his emotions can rise to that level and they can and they can plunge to the depths. Yeah. Of that level, and it's like, I mean, he's, I'll give him this now. He says in a, he's in a quiet taste. He's either wide open or he's like at the bottom of the valley, and there ain't a whole lot of in between. <laughs> I will say this. My kid loves Ghostbusters. You know, you have like the Ghostbuster detector and stuff. The one thing that Todd does have, though, you can call it the harbinger of doom or something, but he know, like he can tell you, here comes a run. It could be a play in the third quarter. He's like, go back to that. I'm like, how do you even know that beforehand? But to your point, he has a good sense and feel how that game sort of yeah. goes, and that's something that, you know, that's that's part of of why we're, we're a part of the game, and and we follow it. But I do think this team bounces back. But to to that point, when they come back home, and we'll see you again on Saturday at the arena. That's an important stretch here. Utah is a team that you haven't beaten. 
for some reason, you got the Lakers. This could be like the revenge home tour, right? You got the Lakers game on New Year's yeah. Eve. Jim, you have Utah that you didn't beat earlier. Yep. They got two games from you. You have Memphis that Houston. just got you as well. Yep. Houston. This legitimately is the revenge home it, tour. It's even more the revenge tour than we even initially thought now that the, the game against Memphis happened. Yeah, I think just about every team on this homestand, uh, other than Brooklyn at the end, I think you've already played and, and maybe lost to. So, yeah, this is an opportunity to – to show even some of the differences between the way that you looked in October and November and the way the team that you are now. Yeah, the good the good thing about it is it's a long season, long season, and you're always looking for ways to generate, you know, some kind of passion if you're players because I mean it gets monotonous, and if you got a genuine like a genuine dislike for the opponent or a genuine reason to wait to where you want a little get back. Then that helps you out. I mean, that 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 helps you out a lot in the NBA because, like I said, it, it can get monotonous. And if you're the Pelicans, you're looking at that schedule like, you know, okay, we lost to this one, we lost to this one, we lost to this one, we got ran out by this one. You know, we we want to get a little a little revenge. I know, you know, people might kind of say, yeah, it's the NBA, man, it's early. Look, mm-hmm. when a team beats you, and you feel like you should win the game, you remember that. You remember that. And when the look when the team beats you, like the Lakers beat this team. Even, you remember that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you remember how you looked in that game, and you remember what folks said about you after that game. Well, the fans will as well, too. I can tell you <laughs> what. Uh, at John DeShazers, the way to give a follow over on X or Twitter, give a uh, kind and you know generous little hello to you on Twitter. It's always a good thing. Yeah, always. Uh, you know, I can't respond no. generally the way I would normally <laughs> respond. But but it's always great to hear from folks. It's always great yeah, to see no the doubt. replies. It's always great to see the passion. You know, so, you know, like I said, you know, like we said, you know, you'd rather see a passionate fan base yeah. than one that doesn't care. No doubt. And and we always try to incorporate that here as well in our broadcast, in our podcast. Uh, kind of a, a touch and feel how everyone is. Safe travel, sir. We'll see you again. Hopefully bring home a win from L.A. And we'll see you on Saturday. Thank you very much. Hopefully so. Um, we'll be back early, early, early Friday. Oh, you're coming straight in, huh? Yeah. We're coming awesome. In. 4 a.m. I'll hear you fly over the house. Yeah, I think, we're, gonna, I think we're supposed to land at 5. Yeah, so. That's close enough. There so, it is. Yeah, <laughs> I had to drop off my parents yeah, at 5 this morning. Friday it's dark and cold. Yeah, Friday ain't going to be a pretty day, I can tell you that. Uh, I hear you. Uh, Thank you so much, man. (laughs) Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. All right, our thanks once again to John DeShazer, color analyst. Safe travels to L.A. Hopefully he brings home a win with the Rams. And also on Saturday, when he gets back in the booth with the graph, we can start another home winning streak. That'd be great here as well. We'll see what happens uh, on that front. But it is Western Conference Wednesday, Jim. Just tell me it's not the Lakers that you're going to pick team-wise. No, it's not the Lakers. I've picked well, that's them. Nice of you. I picked them earlier in the season. I'm trying to not double up on too many teams. Actually, you should because since you have, they they're one in 3 since Vegas. Do so you want to do that's the Lakers true. again? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Who you got? Who you got? Yeah, uh, last week's um team to watch in the West was Memphis um for obvious reasons. They lost twice to Houston, including a game where Dylan Brooks made a dagger 3 at the end. They lost at Oklahoma City, and then unfortunately they won last night against New Orleans. Um, interesting stretch. They have four of their next five games are on the road, so that'll be kind of a team to watch for last week, but also to keep an eye on in terms of where they are in the standings and them trying to get closer to the 10th spot in the play-in tournament. Um, but my team to watch this week's week is Phoenix, and Phoenix is interesting because you know we've been everyone's been waiting all season. Okay, so when are they going to have? Durant, Booker, and Beal all together. And every time it looks like they're going to have all three, someone gets injured, Beal's out again. Um, But I think to some extent too, though, 
what what I think is concerning, and and maybe I shouldn't speak for Suns fans or the Suns team, but they're still not winning games even with two of the three. You would think that with Durant and Booker, I know they had to sign a lot of minimum contract guys to fill out the rest of the roster, but still it seems like they've had some losses that are a little eye-opening. They lost to Portland last night, and the Trailblazers hadn't won a game in quite some time. Um, so they're barely above 500, and part of why I picked them as the team to watch this week is they have a light schedule. They only have two games, but they play at Sacramento on Friday, and then they host the Mavericks on Christmas. So, But they're in a position where they really are – it's starting to get a little dicey as far as them even being in the top 10 of the standings. Mm-hmm. Um, they're 14 and 13 right now. Golden State is 13 and 14 in, a, in 11th place. So, I mean, they only have a one-game lead over just being in that final play-in uh, tournament spot. Um, so Phoenix is the is the team to watch, and a uh, couple tough opponents on their schedule. I'm, I'm curious to see how they do. And then actually coming out of Christmas, they're at Houston on the 27th, and then they have a six-game homestand. So maybe that'll be their chance to to get right when they have so many games at home. But it's been uh, it's been troubling the way that they've played lately, for sure. Yeah, um, it, it, that was a nasty looking ankle injury that happened to him as well. But look, here's the thing, even. With the Grizzlies before Jacques came back and all that, teams are different when you don't have your guys. And I think that's the one thing that if you're a Pels fan, and as John just pointed out, 16 and 12, you have your guys. Now you got to go out there and learn to win with one, you know, with with your group and and handle the ups and downs of a season. It just is what it is. Sometimes you come through, sometimes you don't. But that's the thing that I think it is good right now. Help is good when it comes to the Pelicans, and that's a good thing. Yeah, it really is. I mean. It- Despite the loss on Tuesday, I mean, they've been playing so much better lately. Obviously now won four out of their last five games. Um, even though I think understandably a lot of people around the league were like, yeah, the winning streak was against a lot of teams that weren't very good, but they also started it with a victory over the Timberwolves. So um, that was a, a pretty impressive way to start that stretch. Um, but, yeah, now you're going into a span of games where, you know, we talked about, you know, the, we talked about the revenge tour one of the a little quick math I did um, while we were talking, these four the, the first four games that the Pelicans have on this homestand after they play Cleveland, they're combined one in five against those four teams. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is even more to an even greater extent than I really even thought as far as um, you lost your own one against Houston, your one and one against Memphis, zero and two against the Jazz, and zero and one against the Lakers, and then you f- you end that road or that homestand against the Nets, who you haven't played yet home or away so interesting stretch of games but important to be to try to beat Cleveland on Thursday night and then I think get back home and and try to Tuesday night notwithstanding they've been playing really good basketball in the Smoothie King Center yeah no doubt the revenge tours like we'll call it here as well I mean I'm so used to you know every time there's concerts at, at the arena there's always some catchy little phrase or slogans so maybe mm-hmm. you can come up with a couple of them for Friday How yeah about I think that? Yeah. maybe we should get some posters together maybe some billboards we yeah. could put up around the city well, dude, I, you know, the revenge you, tour you really like doing those polls on yes. X or Twitter how about you know give us or some suggestions as to what yes. we will call this homestand week of vengeance maybe revenge tour <laughs> something Payback. Yeah. Uh, I love that. Payback, <laughs> Payback at the time. Blender. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Well, uh, let's uh, wrap it up, and then we will get back with you again here on Friday, hopefully talking about another win. And as we said, previewing a pretty big homestand and close out the calendar year. It's hard to believe, man, closing out the calendar. Yeah, it really is. And um, we'll be here Friday, and then we'll have a little break because Monday is Christmas, so we will not be recording on Monday. But, yeah, looking forward to previewing the homestand. 
Um, we'll have a couple. We'll have that Houston game on Saturday, and then Memphis again on Tuesday before we're back at it next week. But looking forward to speaking with you in a couple days. Well, that's disappointing to hear. I was looking forward to you know sitting by the fireplace with you with some eggnog, maybe some adult eggnog. <laughs> if you know what I'm getting at there, the fire crackling. Yeah, things of that nature. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. It's uh, not invited it's, to the Eichenhofer. <laughs> well, I mean, we could still record, but it just won't be on the podcast. We can still <laughs> talk basketball. We can still just talk. Just, yeah. yeah, you know, I'll Facetime you. How about yeah, there you go. Exactly. Perfect. I'm going to need a little relaxation after Christmas Day, if you know what I mean. As always, appreciate the time. Give Jim a follow at Jim underscore Eichenhofer. So do so. And, of course, Pelicans.com. See you soon, bud. See you, Gus. All right. And thank you for listening to the New Orleans Pelicans podcast. Thanks for listening to the New Orleans Pelicans podcast. Join us three times per week on Pelicans.com, the Pelicans mobile app, or you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. We'll see you next time right here on the New Orleans Pelicans podcast. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.